First of all, I want to say thank you for supporting uh, our ministry and loving on us. Uh, you didn't even know it, but your, your groups have come up and they've ministered in our theater and all the surrounding areas with, uh, from the homeless to whatever. We, have at, we do a lot of work for at-risk and underprivileged children. This really blesses me, too, that you guys do the Operation Christmas Child because that's something that uh, we, we believe in helping a lot of people, but not just overseas, but also uh, in our own hometowns. Uh, so how y'all doing this morning? You awake? Everybody all right? Okay, good. Uh, I'm, I'm really uh, honestly out of my league because I li- really don't do sound. I don't know anything about computers. and Well, I do, but just enough to get by with. But this morning, I want to talk to you about something that's on my heart. Before I get started, I do want to attempt another song. So we're going to pray for this. To Scott, you really need to be up here because I really don't know what I'm doing. I can't even get my page up big. Help me, Jesus. I don't do this. Okay, we'll try this one more time. Let's see. There's a song here that I want to share with you guys that... Um, The Lord, um, you know, we all go through a lot of uh, hard times in our life. And um, one of the things I want to share with you, um, well, I just can't get this to work. Tried to tell you, Franklin, I didn't want to do it from up here. You didn't listen to me. I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm afraid if I hit X, it's going to go away. Somebody, I'm afraid to touch it. Franklin, you need to come up here and help me. Can can somebody help me? Y'all look at me here, this man suffer up here going, good luck. I have no idea. Look how little the page is. Fix it, would you? All right. Then I'm going to tell you what song to look for. Why didn't we do this to begin with? I'm like, I don't do this. I should have just brought my team, see? No. I don't even know. It's not on here. All right. That's not, it's, it's not, it's got one song. It should be, can you pull up the whole thing? Like whole iTunes? Oh, you're getting there somewhere. I'm so impressed. See, good luck. See, here messed up too. They don't know what they're doing either. So anyway, I do want to tell you a bit about our ministry. Once you get the full page, holler at me. I don't know. Wait, oh, oh. With DVD. Oh, well, can you not need to sit right there? All right. <laughs> oh, there we go. Okay, and this, you probably need to pause it too, because I'm going to have to do that either. All right. Y'all doing all right? Oh, you stopped. I didn't do it. I didn't. No, not you. After it's over. Okay. How y'all doing this morning? <laughs> if you don't know, I run a theater and I entertain people too on top of all that. So it's okay. great. All right, here we go. You are worthy, Lord, of all glory and honor. You're the precious lamb that was slain. Your blood purchased men from every tribe and every nation. Your kingdom shall forever reign. You are worthy, Lord, of all glory and honor. You're the precious lamb that was slain your blood purchased men from every tribe and every nation your kingdom shall forever reign to him who sits on the throne and to the world 
the Lamb will be known. Be all praise and honor, glory and power forever and evermore. You are worthy, Lord, of all glory and honor. You're the precious Lamb that was slain. You're but purchased men from every tribe and every nation. Now your kingdom shall forever reign. We serve a big God to Him who sits on the throne. And to the world the Lamb will be known. All praise and honor, glory and power forever and evermore. Great and marvelous are your deeds, just and true are your ways. Who will fear your From every tribe and every nation, oh Lord, forever your kingdom will reign. Your blood purchased men from every tribe and every nation, oh Lord, forever your kingdom will Forever and ever, you are worthy, Lord. You're worthy, Jesus. You bought me, Jesus. Bought me, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Oh, so Every nation you bought us for, you bought me, Jesus, bought me, Jesus, you're worthy, oh, so worthy. Father, I pray today that you will remind us of that, that we're bought with the precious blood of Jesus, and that we're incredibly important to you. I pray that you'll open our minds and our hearts to you today, in Jesus' name, amen. I owe you five dollars. (laughs) That saved my life, brother. Oh, Scott says to dismiss kids' life. (laughs) Secrets today. (laughs) Hey, can I go with you? I'm really feeling awkward in here right now. How y'all doing? 
Now you say, Bill, why do you sing at the beginning? Because it tries, usually makes me feel not nervous. And today I'm just not, I'm really out of my comfort zone. Uh, I usually have some. But you know, to be honest with you, I needed some time away from everybody. In all seriousness, I love my team. But we're doing productions at home right now, big Christmas production. I thought, this is my time to get away myself. And then they throw a computer at me and say, it's, your, it's all in your song. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure, okay. And then I don't know what I'm doing. So there we go. So uh, I do want us to, to look at a passage of Scripture today. You said that last song I talked about, it's called, it's straight from Scripture, by the way. That, uh, it's called Song of D, Song of Deliverance. Um, and one thing I've learned, and, and, and if we look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, don't look there. Just one listen to me. It says, we've been through a lot of things this year. Have we had a hard time this year, anybody? Everybody's just been great, hasn't it? It's just been the most wonderful year of your life. Right? Right? Now, I know that's not true. So, uh, but anyway, I've had to remind myself that God is still God. And so uh, Malachi uh, chapter 3, verse 6 says, God is unchanging. And so, man, everything around us is all, whoo, I'm telling you something. If you don't like change, God just messed up your fruit basket this year, didn't he? I want you to turn over, uh, not literally turn over in your Bible. That would be funny if I watched you do that. Uh, But if you'll turn over uh, to Deuteronomy, and I'm going to the Old Testament. And um, I'm, a, I'm not really a, a New Testament kind of guy, but I really want to go over here and look at this passage of Scripture. And I want us to look at, um, really, um, uh, uh, we, we talk about Thanksgiving, and we're all, how many of you ready for Thanksgiving? How many of you are going to have ten people in your house and wait for the police to come? Just kidding. <laughs> Y'all ready for that one? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I could see, could you see somebody walking up to your grandma's kitchen and kind of arresting her because she fixed a turkey? <laughs> My grandma would probably just take a turkey and hit somebody upside the head. <laughs> that'd, be a, that'd be a sight. I'd like to see that happen. Besides, you'd have to get through the front door with my granddaddy with a shotgun. You know what I mean? That's, uh, that's crazy, isn't it? Our world's crazy. Uh, we want God's, how many of you would love to have God's blessing on your life? Wouldn't that be cool? And we say, oh man, I just want the Lord's blessing on my life. I really want God to bless me. Bless me, Jesus. Just bless me. Well, first of all, do we even know what the word blessing means? So we're going to look at those some things. First of all, do you know that 600, the blessing is mentioned. If you want to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 28, and then uh, you'll be there, and then I'll talk to you. But the word blessing is mentioned 600 times in the Old Testament. It comes from the word barak. Now, that's kind of funny, too. (laughs) What? It's the Bible. Okay. (laughs) Right? 600 times. I'm not here to offend anyone. Uh, but the word Barak also, that word also means to kneel. Did you know that? So when you would receive a blessing from you would kneel before somebody to receive that blessing. Whether it whether anointed king, whatever it happened to be. Uh, and the problem is in our lives, guys, look at me. If you, we're not receiving God's blessing is because we're not willing to kneel in his presence. We are all about, I owe, you owe me. I've never seen such an entitled world than what we have lived in. we got selfish people running around here. Amen? Oh, hey, people. <laughs> Help me out here. I'm from Tennessee. You've got to scream it. <laughs> well, bless God. Amen. <laughs> you know, there's redneck preachers up there. Guess what? One's down here today. Y'all in good shape. All right. Um, we, Hebrew, yeah, that, that Barak means to kneel down, and, and it's that sign of being anointed. And really what you're doing when you're praying for, for that, it, it, it really means that we're asking for God to show his favor upon something. 
Now, when you say, Lord, I want your blessing, you're saying, Lord, would you show me favor? Or Lord, would you, Lord, we pray for blessings upon people. Would you show your favor to people? Would you bless them? And I just want to say this. God's already done enough. When he sent his son Jesus to die for us, God's already done enough. But when we, we're just selfish people, we want more. I mean, we, we do. I mean, we're like, why does it, can't it be better? Why can't it be you know, easier? Why can't it be? And, and I think sometimes we've, we get mixed up with what the blessings may be. Because we think it should be something that's all good. And, and my life has never been easy. But, and I used to think when I was a kid, man, Lord, deliver me. Man, here in the United States of America, we don't know what it's like to, have, to live in a persecuted church. Over here we say, Lord, deliver me. I just can't handle this anymore. I just had enough. Other countries, they say, God, give me the strength to bear it up so people can see you in my weakness. We don't know how to pray like that. So you think that God's, listen, he's getting ready to separate the church. What are you really like? What's it going to be like for us as believers? Because it's not going to be this easy believism anymore. And if you decide you're going to be a Christian, you're probably going to be persecuted. So guess what? There's going to be a major exodus in most of our churches because we won't have a part to do with it. All right? So let's look at this in Deuteronomy chapter 28. And I, I don't want to read to you like a kindergartner, but I do want to read some things to you. It came to pass, if you diligently obey his voice, the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully... All his commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall, you, shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flocks. It's a lot of blessing. Blessed be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall be you be when you come in. Blessed shall be you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and all to which you set your hand. He will bless you in the land which your Lord, your God, is giving you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people to himself. Just as, and this is important, start with verse 9. Just he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord, your God, and walk in his ways. There's a big if there, isn't there? Then all peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord. And they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you what? He will grant you plenty of goods and the fruit of your body and the crease of your livestock. And in the produce of your ground and the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasures, the heavens to give the rain to your land its seasons to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord make you head and not the tail. You should be above and only and not beneath. And if you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and be careful to observe them, so you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day, to the right, to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. Now, we're not going to read the rest of this. It talks about disobedience. And if you follow it, it mirrors this. He says what he will curse you with if you don't follow his commands and don't obey him. And then he goes all the way over, and it says the whole thing. If you read this, if it's in detail, if you notice how much... If you read to the disobediences, you'll see yourself in those pictures, no doubt. But we flip over to the end of the chapter, and we'll start with verse 65. And among you, those nations, it says, you shall find no rest. Um, let me see. Let's start. Let's let, actually start with, uh, let's go and look at verse, yeah, 60. Let's start with uh, 64. Then the Lord, sh he said, will scatter you among all peoples. Still talking about if you don't obey him. One of the earth to the other, and there. You shall serve other gods with neither you nor your fathers have known wood and stone. Among those nations you shall find no rest. 
Nor shall the soles of your feet have resting place, but the Lord your God will be trembling heart, failing eyes, and the anguish of your soul. Your life shall hang in doubt before you, and shall fear day and night, have no assurance of life. In the morning you shall say, oh, that it were evening. And in the evening you shall say, oh, that it were morning, because of the fear which terrifies your heart, and because of the sight which your eyes see. And the Lord will take you back to Egypt, which is prison, basically, and captivity and ships by the way which I said to you. You shall never see it again, and there shall... Uh, you be offered for sale for your enemies as male and female slaves that no one will even buy you. Now you say, Billy, what, what does all this mean? He's talking about the blessings and cursings. And he says, if you'll follow my commandments, these are the blessings you're going to receive. We're going to look at some of those this morning. We're getting ready to go into Thanksgiving. And we all want God's blessing in our life. Lord, bless my family, bless my health, bless my house, bless all this, bless that. And so we look at these things. And, and, but God, he says, you know, we want God's blessing. We want him to show favor for us. But why should he? Let me ask you a question. All right, uh, listen, All right, you're either serving the word of God because if you follow my commandments, if you live for me. Now, I want to say this up front too. Some of us in this room, we're trying to follow God's commandments, but the reason why it's not working for us is because we've never followed Jesus. And you can't follow God's commandments without knowing Jesus. So the first thing you got to do is have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you don't have that, you can work yourself silly. Go to church, throw your offering in, throw your tithe in, come Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, or whatever. I can't come to that, but I go on TV and watch it. You can watch all the podcasts you want about Jesus. You can give all your monies to this church. You can do anything you want, but you know what? It's all going to burn. It's all that you do for Jesus and intently have a relationship with him that's going to change it all. Do you know Jesus? Does he know you? That's the question. And then when it starts there, if we're his children, he's talking about his children. He said, we want God's blessing. I was sharing with the kids the other night. I said, you know, the problem is this in the United States of America, you know, we've already been blessed. Why should God do anything else? What do we do with God's blessing? We put it on our feet and we stomp on it, walk on it. We want more. Because we are a very worldly, carnal, materialistic place. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to be honest. Uh, when I was a little kid, uh, we, my mom taught us about manners. Okay, you know what manners are? Some of you don't teach that anymore. So, you know, we're well, supposed to mind your manners and do the right thing. And so one of the things that my mom would say is don't, uh, you know, don't, don't, take the, don't take the manners. And I didn't know what that meant. What don't take, what's that mean? You know, uh, and we'd be sitting at the table. You've got to understand something. There's five kids. My family have a, my, you know, my dad and my cousin lived with us. There's five kids. And so there were eight people at this house. And then a whole big thing. My mom would pick fried chicken. And I couldn't, uh, we were always sitting around that table waiting to get that fried chicken. And then we'd all eat a piece, and there'd be some pieces left. And you know what we had to do at our house? Don't take the manners. That means you couldn't take the last piece without asking everybody else if they wanted it first. So you go around the table, and you're praying the whole time, say no, say no, say no. Do you want it? Do you want it? Do you want it? Do you want it? No, no, no. And then somebody say yes. You're like, dang it. And then you have to rip it in half and give them half of it. It was awful. I went the whole thing. So while I, was just, I learned not just to say no, we said, no, it's okay. They put it back in the kitchen, they put it in the refrigerator, and then later you get the whole thing. When nobody was looking, you know, I tried to work the system anyway. But, you know, nowadays, kids take the manners. They don't think about it. I've got kids at camp. I love little Debbie Swiss rolls. Anybody like those? Yeah. You know what those are? Those little chocolate things got this roll in the middle of it. I love that stuff. So at camp, we're going through lines. It used to be, you know, anybody want this last one before I get it? We always said that. Does anybody remember growing up doing that? It's not like that anymore. We go through camp. Got, got these kids that are heathen kids. Love them, blessed Jesus. Why I work with them, I do not know. God called me and made me. Anyway, that's an old sister. Which was in there. We're going there and getting our desserts. They got little Debbie Swiss rolls. Do the kids ask me? There's one left. I'm looking at it when I get the line. Please, God, let it be there. Please, God, let it be there. And so I get up, and it, it's not. Kids didn't ask me. I think you selfish. Because think about it. There's two Debbie Swiss rolls. Couldn't you hold it up and say, anybody want one of these? 
I just said, yes, right here. Amen. People don't ask. They just eat it, take it. And we're just in a society where we just take, 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 take. And that's why we're never satisfied. So we don't understand how God's blessing us. And this passage of Scripture breaks down, okay? And I want to ask you this question as a Christian, as a, belie- as a believer. Are you serving something today? Are you serving the Word? Or are you serving the world? And that's what we got to really realize. And we're the ones supposed to set that example. What do we serve? Are we serving what the Word says in God's commandments? When He says, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Are you doing those things in your life? And if you're not, guys, and, and I'm going to put you to the test here in just a minute when I share this. Which is it? Are you blessed? Look at it blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? Look at verse 9. I'm going to list some things to you, and I'm going to go quickly through these. It says what? He says the Lord will, uh, he says in verse 9, the Lord will establish you as his what? Holy people to himself. Talk to the kids the other night. I said, what does holy mean? And somebody has the answer because they got it right the other night. What's holy mean? She got it right twice. All right, so you cheated. Okay, wait. So set apart. It means to be set apart. Do you know God sets you apart for a reason and a purpose, and God's not been able to accomplish a lot of things in your life because you keep getting in the way? You want to do what you want to do, but you won't do it, bless God. If God told you to sell everything you had and to follow him, would you do it? Look, I mean, I've been pretty impressed about, you know, driving around to these different neighborhoods and stuff. You guys live in a, it's, it's nice, I'm just saying. Come to my house. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, you know, it's really, really a nice area. And you can tell there's money here. There's money here. This place has been blessed. Can you nod your head? Nod your head. Do you know that you've been blessed? Or do you want me to, you know, I could take you to a couple of places and you'd realize how blessed you are, right? And there's probably places around here where people are not as, as we see as blessed. So we look at it as we're blessed in materialistic ways. But some of the poorest people I know that didn't have anything are more blessed. Because they understand what is important and what is not. They love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And all of a sudden, the stuff that we accumulated for them, it just doesn't matter. I said this so many times, it's just all going to burn. You know that beautiful lawn that you, you mow and it's in that perfect little, you know, the diamond shape. I'm just glad mine gets mowed, hallelujah. I've got these interns and, and kids that live at my house and I'm just like, I don't. One guy said, I want to really do it. I said, that is awesome. He put the lines of that one time. In my life, I've had the perfect diamond-shaped lawn. No, it's like, okay, would you mind weed-eating now? Because it would be nice if the, you know, hair wasn't growing on the edges, you know. <laughs> and so they're like, okay, yeah. So we, we forget this. Oh, we're blessed. We're blessed. We're set apart. Remember that you're set apart for, uh, apart for a purpose and for a reason. You're not me and I'm not you. God's got a purpose for your life. You're set apart. You're a holy people. A lot of people think you're a righteous people. Man, if we could just get set apart, that's enough. You know, and we got to pray God will help make us righteous. Because that's his job to make you holy in that sense. Holy and right with him. That's his job. You can't make yourself right with God. Boy, don't we try? You know, we try. We ask for God's blessing. I'm going to tell you a friend of mine. I'm going to get pretty raw this morning. There's a friend of mine. He was out of the will of God. He was from West Virginia. It wasn't you. It wasn't you. Okay. So, but he, like, this, this guy, he was, he, was, uh, he was living with his girlfriend. And uh, he would say, you know, and so it was like, it was either, you know, Thanksgiving Sunday, Christmas Sunday, Easter Sunday. So what he would do is he'd go sleep in the living room the night before church. So it felt a little cleaner before he walked in church on Sunday morning. Some of y'all laughing, but you know people who do that. Lord, I, do, I, I want God's blessing, so I don't want to get out. What is that about? You can't clean yourself up. You nasty. Y'all nasty people. 
Nod your head. How many of you are willing to witness? You're nasty. Raise your hand. You na- raise them up. The rest of you need to be at the altar if you didn't raise your hand. All right. The Bible says it best for sinful people. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a sinner. Go ahead and tell them. They need to know. <laughs> she had no problem saying that. You're the only one that said it. Everybody's going, I'm not saying that. <laughs> you're afraid you would come. Wait, wait till we get to the car. I'll lay you out when you <laughs> like. But listen, it's like we need to be, we need to understand that best we're sinful people. We don't have it together. We, the best thing we could do is just try to set ourselves apart. Listen, you, you set yourself apart. You know, you're not like everybody else. And you say, well, I, I, look, if you want to act like, look like, and smell like the world, and that's your goal, then you, you've gotten your, that's it. That's all you're going to get. That's it. But, you know, God's people, that's not their goal. You know, I'm not here to be pop. Obviously, I can't even run this thing, whatever. I can't even get together this morning. God said, well, let me just let your world fall apart this morning so they have to just see me and not you. So that's how it works. You know, I don't, I, don't, I don't ever pretend that I have it together and I'm going to act like I do. And I don't want to ever be above who Jesus made me to be. But I do know that I'm set apart for a reason and a purpose. And every day I have to realize I want to be the vessel God's called me to be. So he says, first of all, if we want God's blessing, what, what's, what's that blessing? That we're set apart. The blessing is that you're already set apart for a reason. God's got a purpose for your life, but some of you have never figured it out because all you've done is fought and scratched to get to the top or look at your neighbors. Why in the world do we spend more money and time and energy trying to impress people we don't like? Your neighbor, oh, I'll show them. You spend all that money to try to impress them. You don't even like them. Why are you doing that? It got quiet. All right, let's move on. You're set apart. What he says, and he says, your people, what does he say the next thing? Verse 10, you're going to be set apart if you're blessed. He says, you're holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you. If you keep my commandments of the Lord, he says, uh, Lord your God, and walk in his ways, if we do those things, then all the peoples of the earth shall see you, see that you are, what, called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. People will see that you're his. If you're blessed, one of the greatest blessings, when you start talking to me, going like, Scott, don't please don't say all that stuff, because it's... You know, I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have it together. But I do want people to see Jesus. My prayer, some kid, I'm praying for you. They texted me last night and like, we're praying for you. Hope things go well in South Carolina. I said, look, all I want to do is see Jesus. And, and, and because that's what's important. If, if I'm trying to make, if I'm trying to impress you, you know, everybody's out trying to impress somebody else. And, and God's not impressed that we're impressing. All right. And some of you, I mean, you got it all together. You know, you, you've got it all together. But, you know, and, and all of a sudden people are looking at you. And some of you, girls, you've got to watch it. And I shared this with the girls the other night. I mean, if you're looking for all those likes on the Internet, you're looking everybody to like you and Facebook, man, the drama on that mess. Instagram, Snapchat, oh, my. It's like get the picture, you know. The guys are standing there with their shirts off and showing their chest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> Not here. Okay. So, anyway. But, and then some of you girls, I mean, you know, hey, you know, I like kind of stuff, you know. With 16 filters on you. It doesn't look like that in real life. And if you don't get enough likes, you're like, I think I'm ugly. What am I going to do? Oh, my gosh. If all people can do is remember you, I don't care if y'all remember my name when I leave this place. It's not important to me. But if I can get you in the presence of Jesus for a few minutes, that's the most important thing to me. Do you get it? Say, "Uh uh-huh. It's about Jesus. Your life's about Jesus. When you gave your life to Jesus, Jesus bought you, as that song said, with a price, with the precious blood of Jesus. You don't belong to you anymore. And when you start taking it back and you want it to be what you want it to be, you're already failing God and you're not walking his commandments. Do you understand what I'm saying? You should beg, God, let him just see Jesus in me. 
I want to live my life so transparent. I want to be so raw, so real that you look straight through me and see the Lord. That's all that matters to me. All right? So you see people, people will see that you're his. What's the next one say? That he'll take care of you. Doesn't he say that? I love that. Look at verse, let's look at verse 10 one more time. I love this. I love when he says this. He says, call on the name of the Lord. And, and he said, Those, they'll see you. And they said, and they shall be afraid of you. Back up. Don't mess with me. You know, I, 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 I'm not afraid. I mean, I'll go in the middle of, now this little white boy here, all right, and I'm in the middle of Brooklyn. I'll go to Brooklyn. I go to the Bronx. I go to inner city. I work, you know, and it's, a, and, and I mean, I, I stand out. And I'm on the street screaming Jesus right next to the prostitutes and the drug addicts, you know, and I, I don't care. You know, it's like, look, you know, if you can just see through me and see, look, and I'm not afraid. My mama used to say, she'd go, oh, where are you going? I said, it's all right, mom. She, you don't want to know. <laughs> you just really don't want to know. I remember standing at one place. I went to this homeless shelter one time. They would keep me in Rhode Island. And they gave me their best. I was doing some concerts, some outdoor concerts there. And they let our team spend the night. Well, back in the back was this safe zone with glass and all this. And my team was back there. They said, we're going to give you the director's room. I thought, oh. And he said, we want to give special. So I walked up front. And I, right on the front of the street, beautiful little room in there. And I, and I looked on the wall and I, where the windows were, and I said, what, that, uh, what happened? I thought somebody broke the window. They said, oh, it was a drive-by last week. I'm like, great. That's just awesome. So I just made sure that I was below the windowsill when I slept. You know, I thought, if I have to go through some of that brick to get to me. <laughs> cockroaches were crawling everywhere, no lie. I kept the lights on the TV on that night because I was more afraid of cockroaches than people. <laughs> Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Ooh. So, but he says, you know, people be afraid of me. And I, listen, I remember when I was a little kid, I'll share this story with you real quick. I, I, I wanna, I don't wanna, I got so much I want to tell you because I've not been here and you all been so good to me and you don't even know how good you've been to me to help us do our ministry. And so I just, I've got a lot I want to tell you, so I'll, I'll make this quick. But, but I got to tell you this story. Uh, and I shared yesterday about some kids. School, there's nothing like when you're a little kid. And I remember I had these bullies in my school. Some of you have heard me share this story. I know you have. And I, I, had, I mean, there was this girl, man, her name was Edna. Big Edna. I mean, she was... Now, I'm not talking about overweight. I'm talking about she was She-Ra. I mean, I will... Wonder Woman, Amazon girl, you know? So, and, and I was afraid of her. I used to be afraid, you know? And then this other guy, Ronnie and Jack, these two football players, man, they'd, they'd slap you around. And I, was, I, weighed, I weighed 85 pounds in eighth grade. I'll never forget this. And they, everybody walked in and I thought, what happened? Everybody ate something over the summer. I don't look like you. You know, it's like, you know, and they were giants. They were enormous, the girls and the guys. And so, uh, and so I remember Ronnie and Jack would pick on me. They stole my biology book, and I was really ticked off, but I was afraid. And I, I finally told the Lord, I'd just been a Christian a short time. I said, God, I'm tired of being afraid. And so one, I said, Lord, I just want to be able to stand up to them. And God said one day in my prayer life, he said, go get them. I said, all right. So I remember walking up to Ronnie and Jack. Stared right at their belly buttons. <laughs> hey, you stole my biology book. What are you going to do about it? Then they flip and, you know, start to hit you across the gym floor. I stepped back up. I said, you stole my biology book. I said, if you don't stop messing with me, somebody's going to take you down. I mean, like, you know, 85 pounds. These guys weigh 150, 175 and they're, and, and they're like twice my size. 
And I, I said, I've got somebody, you, know, you don't mess with me. They said, well, tell them we'll meet them after school, man. I said, I'm a child of the living God. You mess with me, you mess with God. Where's my biology book? And the countenance changed, and they handed me my biology book. <laughs> Two years later, I'm a sophomore in high school, weighed 100 pounds. Don't mess with me. And I remember, here comes Ronnie over to me one day. He goes, I need to talk to you. And I thought, here we go. And he never missed. They looked so little after that, you know. And he said, uh, my mom's in the hospital and she's dying. And I know if anybody knows Jesus, you do. Would you believe for my mom to live? And we stopped in that high school and we prayed. And she lived. You know, uh, we fear a lot of things we don't need to be afraid of. What about Edna? One day, I, I was delivering papers. I'll never forget. She was, she'd fight everybody. This teeth and hair everywhere she went. I mean, she was going to kill people. I stayed out of her way. But she knew as a Christian, she said, Freak! You're a Jesus freak! She sounded just like that, too. She dipped. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She'd spit on you. Scary woman. She walked in. I was in gym class. I don't forget. She said, freak, you're a freak. So at the end of gym class, I'd be reading my Bible, right? And so she, she said, so one day after Lord, I said, Lord, I just really want to handle this. So I was delivering papers one day, and I walked up to this house, and there's a man there. And uh, I remember him, um, I remember him saying, you know, I was getting the paper, and he goes, hey, do you know Edna? And he said her last name. I was like, oh, dear God, yes. And I said, please, Lord, don't ask me if she's nice because I don't want to lie. She said, she's rough, and she went, oh, yeah, she is rough. <laughs> so she's my adopted granddaughter. I went, yes, and he was a Christian. And he said, look, would, let's pray back. Would you pray for her? And I pray the Lord to soften her heart. I said, I would love to pray with you. So we prayed, and I couldn't wait to get back to school on Monday. I was atop them bleachers. I was flipping them pages of the Bible. Look up here, Edna, look up here. She's looking at me, freak. I said, hey, Edna. Never spoke to her in my life, you know. She's, I said, come up here. She come bounding up those steps. I said, sit down. She looked at me like, I said, you know what? You think I'm weird, don't you? Yeah, man, you read the Bible. You talk about Jesus. You're just weird, man. You're a freak. I said, well, I guess if I'm a freak, so is your granddaddy. She was like, my granddaddy. <laughs> don't you mess with my granddaddy. <laughs> was like, and she was like, and I told her what we did and who it was. And she never messed with me again. Now, what's the cool thing about that? Edna dropped out of school, went to beauticians, because she's, be she's a beautician. She doesn't dip anymore. They say she's pretty. She's single, I'm single. Who knows what might happen, right? <laughs> Still a little afraid of her. <laughs> but the Bible says in its word, don't fear what they fear. Do not be frightened, but set apart Christ as Lord. And that's when you can walk up wherever you go, wherever you've been. I'm not afraid much of it. You know what I was afraid? The biggest fear I had this morning was that right there. And I'm like, oh, I don't do all this. I just sing and tell people about Jesus, and I am freaking out. All right, and that's, I don't like to do that because I like to be focused. And I was fear, Lord, this is going to distract me. And I thought, devil, get behind me. I don't have time. So I asked the devil's assistant to come up and help me. Okay. By the way, you guys are awesome, and I love your heart. The other night, they did such a great job on worship. You are blessed by these people. You have no idea. Let me take you to some churches I've been to as an evangelist. Dear God, get through the worship. Just let's get, oh, let's get through the worship. Jesus, they're not even looking at you. They don't know you. I mean, we got people leading in churches that don't even know Jesus. We got deacons that run churches that aren't saved. Oh, it got quiet. I don't, do I have deacons? I don't even know. Thank God I can say that, right? <laughs> All right, so 
And no, Scott didn't tell me what to preach on today, so this is all from the Lord, all right? Don't be afraid. He said, don't be, don't be afraid. And he's going to bestow upon you. What does he say? I love verse 11, first of all. It says, then his people of the earth, they shall see that you're called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. It says, verse 11, then the Lord will grant you plenty of goods and the fruit of your body and increase of your livestock and produce of your land and the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give to you. What is he saying to you? He said, I will take care of you. Everything you've ever needed. Let me tell you how it is at our theater. This is no lie in, in, in the ministry we have. It's not, people think it's a theater. Now, Scott only knew me as a Christian music artist, and I traveled for 25 years. The best tours, all that, with the bands and all that stuff. It was a hectic, crazy life. I was home 20 days out of the year, and I did youth evangelism, did concerts, and spoke. That's what I did. Then, 15 years ago, the Lord gave us a theater, and we transitioned into that. And, but, you know, every time, every, every part of the needs, the Lord has made me so, and part of my prayers, I always say, Lord, make, put something so God-sized in my, in my path that I cannot attain it without you. And so make it, so, but so I'll know when I got there, it was all about you and nothing about me. Shoo, don't pray that prayer. Shoo, it's a hard life sometimes, I'm telling you. But, I mean, I, and so I have sometimes up to 12 guys live in my home. I, intern, I have interns and also mentor students. So I've had up to 12 guys in my house at a time. And right now I only have like three or four and a few stayed last night. I don't have me. I wasn't there, so who knows what they were doing. But they love Jesus. And, uh, but anyway, you get them in that situation. Then I'm sitting here, and there's times where things get really, really thin. And I'm like, God, and this is no lie. People call me up and say, look, uh, look can I, I need to come by your house for a minute. This just happened this, a few months ago. Uh, I walked up in the middle of the Rona <laughs> from going outside. I walked up into my house, and sitting on my back porch was boxes full of food. You know, and, 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 the, and this lady called me one day. She said, can I come to your house? And literally, like, it was very thin and very, ugh, that morning. And I'll never forget, she walked up. And next thing I know, she's, uh, she's opened up the back of her car. And we're carrying all these things in from Sam's. And then she handed me $200 in cash and said, whatever's not here, just go buy what you need. You know what I found out in my life? I don't have to have money. But I better know Jesus. I've never gone. I've never gone late on a payment. My credit is great. I live in this incredible home the Lord has given me, and I mean that. When I was trying to get it to have a place, that, uh, it, it, uh, the, the lady who had it knocked $100,000 off the house just so I could get in it. Who does that? My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory, right? But I've found out in my life there's needs and there's wants, and sometimes God just has to strip us. But if we're obeying the commands of the Lord, he will take care of your needs. So he'll set you apart. You'll know that your people see him in you. He'll take care of you. He'll bestow his blessings. The next thing he says, he'll give you the treasure. He'll, he'll make you his treasure. He'll bestow on you the treasures. And these treasures are eternal. They're not temporary. Look, the worst thing, listen, listen, look at this. All the things that we're going through in this life right now, this is the only hell I'll ever face. This is as bad as it gets. And I get to go to heaven. But think of all those people who don't know Jesus. This is as good as it gets. So go ahead and grab all you want because you'll have hell to pay in the end. And I want to say this to you. We don't talk about heaven and hell anymore. Look up here at me. It's not a fantasy. God is real. Satan is real. Heaven is real. Hell is real. And not everybody in this room is going to make it to heaven. Because you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. It's not how, oh, I've been a good person. I've been to church. Every That's not going to get you into heaven. Do you know Jesus? And if you know Jesus, will you follow his commandments? And some of you aren't getting the blessings in your life because you're not following the commands of the Lord. Amen. He says, your finances. Look what he goes on to talk about your finances. I'll say this. You want his blessing? He said he will bless. Look at 
the Lord will open up his good treasures, the heavens, uh, the heavens, to give the rain in your land and the season to bless you. All the work of your hand you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. You know, and I know, look, I've got a house and I've got a house payment, but I'm a slave to that lender. I know that if something happens in our government, they decide to shut things down, I'll be homeless. Right? I mean, if things happen, we lose things. They can't pay for things. They got the theater. We're trying to run it. We got mortgages. I understand. And we're not, and, and, and people see property as that's an investment, and I get all that. But it's an investment when all of a sudden somebody calls the note on it, then you're going to have to pay it up. And some of y'all would freak out. If the economy crashes, your 401k goes down to, look, I don't even have a 101k. I don't even know what that is. Some of y'all freaking out. Do you think that, do you think that money's going to take care of you? By the way, I want to say, some of y'all storing up all this mess in your life so your kids can have it when you die. Yeah, you know what they're going to do? Your front yard's not going to have those diamonds in it. It's going to have a truck out front with a Rottweiler with holes in your yard. And they're going to take all the money you left them. They're going to go to Disney World for a month, <laughs> you know. And we're, we're storing up. I think he said, oh, yeah, I'm leaving my kid $2 million. I'm like, Dude, I wish my dad had done that. I mean, I think that sometimes. You know, when my dad died, my dad died with nothing. We were able to bury him. Because my dad spent everything that he had when he was alive. Same thing with my mom. You know, what what are you leaving behind? The greatest thing you leave behind is the heritage that you lived an incredible walk with your Savior. It's all going to burn. And I'm just stupid enough to believe that I've served him, he will take care of me in my older age. Be good to people. What I tell you? Live right. Just live right. If you're a Christian, just do the right thing, and my God will bless you. All right? You got it? Say, uh-huh. All right. And then he goes on to say this, all right? And I'm wrapping it up. Say, praise Jesus. He didn't. All right, good. All right. He goes, he said, and, and he said, uh, I love that. He said, and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. He goes on to say, so you shall not be turned aside from any of his words, which I command you this day, to the right or to the left, to serve other gods. And it says, and it won't be going from right and left. Some of you are right in the middle of confusion in your life. Look up here at me. Some of you say you love Jesus, but you're sleeping around. You're, you're doing uh, immoral, ungodly things against his word, and you're wondering, why is God not blessing me? Why is his presence far away? Because you're turning right and left. You're so confused. You're going to be in a state of confusion. I've never seen a world more confused. I've never seen the body of Christ so confused. You've got young girls that are cutting themselves because they don't believe they're pretty enough. You've got guys committing suicide. You've got people just, I mean, trying to search and fill out everything. And, and it's confusing. We go to churches, and we even see so much junk in the churches being taught. You know, and, and I don't, I don't want to pick on this, but, you know, there's a gospel out there about prosperity and all this kind of stuff. And if you live right, you're going to have a $400 suit, and you'll drive in a limousine. Can I tell you about that stuff? I just want to say this straight up front. Y'all ready for this? Oh, that's nice. But if those are the things that appeal to you, how shallow are you? I don't care about that stuff. I told my kids, I raised two boys, I adopted them out of our program. You know what I told them? I said, boys, there's not going to be anything when I kick it because I'm going to spend it all now on kids and lead people to Jesus. That's what I'm going to spend it on ministry. There's not going to be anything. I'll try to leave enough in there to get you a Dollywood ticket, maybe for a season pass. And when you're going down that roller coaster, say, way praise Jesus. We love you, Billy. I can't even get them to, to Disney World at this point. You know what I mean? And my kids have learned, you know, it's, it, they're not going to get anything. They're not getting my house. I'm giving it to the ministry. 
They know that. Sorry, you lose. <laughs> However, if you'll use it for ministry, I'll give it to you. But you're not right now. You're not showing me that, so you're not getting it. I mean, you say, what? Listen, I believe in take care of your kids. Make them work for themselves. Stop handing them everything. Some of you got sport rotten kids. I'd like to bust their hind ends. Can I just tell you that right up front? And I tell I've got these kids running around my theater, and I tell the parents, look, I'm going to make them mind if you don't. If you don't want me to yell at your kids and tell them to shut up and sit down, then you better do it because I'm going to do it. And if you get mad, there's an exit door. I don't have deacons. Bye. <laughs> it works. Been doing it for 15 years. I've popped some hind ends every once in a while too. Ah, ah, don't touch that. And you know what their mom said? Get them! Some of you parents go to your kids' defense when they're being acting up at school. You go rescue them. You're not going to talk to my kid that way. Maybe she needs to. Your kids are not. You all have made gods out of your children. You spend all your time. Listen, whatever you're spending most of your energy, your time, and all this stuff on, that is your God. If it's your girlfriend, if it's your boyfriend, if it's your house, if it's your car, if it's your business, if it's your children, whatever you're spending your time, energy, money on, that is your God. So what is it today? That's the question, right? All right, so we look at this, and we have a skewed vision of what God has, and we look over at the end of it, and it says, you know, the things that we're going to lose, right? Those are the things we're going to be blessed in. The material things, all these things. And at the very end of this, he says, you know, uh, and then I'm going to just get real with you for a second, I'm going to shut up. And I really wonder, what do I need to teach on today? Y'all don't even know who I am. So you're going to hear a little bit about my life at the very end here, and I'm going to hush. But in, in the end of this chapter, he says, And among those nations, verse 65, You shall find no rest, nor shall the sole of your feet have a resting place. But there, but there the, the Lord will give you a what trembling heart. You're going to be scared. Some of y'all terrified when the corona hit. Man, I didn't have time. I went every day online. I do mailing a message from home. I cook and then I share a message. And, and all these people come by. We started a hotline because people were calling out suicidal. Is this the end of the world? I hate being alone. What am I going to do? And so, and we weren't supposed to meet with people or whatever. Look, my picnic table saw more tears than anything. I met them outside. I swapped snot. One kid was snotting so hard in his mouth. I said, take that thing off. You're killing me. He wiped it off. He goes, all right, what if you? I said, I don't care. We'll just get the disease together. We're going to talk about Jesus. You need Jesus. And if I die in the process of leading you to him, I'm okay with that. Take it off. Take it off. I held that boy and let him cry. We as a church have a ministry to do. Do you hear me? I'm not afraid of a disease. But I do fear the Lord. Some of us are more afraid of the coronavirus than we are Jesus. Oh, I believe God. I really do believe. I believe Jesus. Hallelujah. But your life doesn't reflect it. Does it? I love the Lord. You know, the demons believe and they tremble. We believe and we go out and do everything against God. You don't believe. You believe you believe, but you don't believe. Because true believers live to show people Jesus. All right? What's he say? You're going to tremble. They'll tremble. They'll have failing eyes, anguished soul, suicidal rates, all this stuff. Your life shall hang in doubt before you. You shall fear day and night. You shall have no assurance. How many of you can't sleep at night? 
You have to take all this stuff to go to sleep. You have to get something to get you up. Go Starbucks. Got to pump me up today. And then I got to take melatonin at night. <laughs> You're like, what? And I, I mean, I'm not against that stuff. I like Starbucks. I took melatonin the other night for the first time. Oh, my gosh. It was, the sleep was nice, but the next day I was like, I couldn't like, I was like, ah, no, we're good. (laughs) Just spray the pills with lavender or something. I don't know, these oils. (laughs) Whatever works, we'll do it, all right. I I have a hard time sleeping. Do you know why I have a hard time sleeping? This sounds crazy. It's because I have a lot to do. I keep thinking, okay, tomorrow I've got to get up. I've got this meeting with so-and-so. I've got to meet with this little kid. Should I do this? Is this little girl, do I need to call the DCS? Do it? You know, whatever it ha- what do we, You know, that's the things I get worked up over. Cause I want, and then what I do, I forget it, just come home with me. Oh, Lord, why did I do that? My house is full of heathens. Y'all pray for me. All right. But I love them. Because the Bible says I have to. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Says your life shall hang in doubt before you. In the morning you will say, Oh, where's the evening? In the evening you will say, Oh, where's the morning? Can't wait to wake up. Because the fear which terrifies your heart, because the sight uh, which your eyes see, you see it all. You're terrified. Some of y'all scared to death. I don't walk in fear. Do you want God's blessing? You gotta kneel. Gotta be broken. You know, one of the things I've prayed all my life, this is, this is in the, it may in the last 10 years too. You know, some of you, if you, listen, if you can pray these prayers, this is what you've got to learn to pray. This is what you've got to learn to pray. Ready? Lord, break me. If you can't pray for God to break you, you've got issues. God, crush me. Let me ask you a question. When was the most, when was the most uh, I guess, special time, the most intimate time you've had with the Lord? Can I honestly tell you? It was the time he broke you, and you were so humbled you couldn't, get, you couldn't even get up. It might have been a death. It might have been that point of salvation where he showed you all your sin and how wicked you were. And you found yourself laid out at the altar feeling like you were useless nobody. And God said, no, you're the most important thing to me. Where he humbled you. So you know what I've been praying all my life? In the last, last, especially the last 10 years, God, crush me. God, break me. God, break me. Because I can get so full of me that people can't see Jesus. And some of us are so much room. We've put so much stuff in and around our life. There's no room for God. Are you in the career that God wants you in? Are you in the relationship that God wants you in? Are you, what, what is this? Is it been all about you? But you want God's blessing? Couples come up to me. I shared this the other night. A couple come up to me and say, they're living together. They got kids already. And they're like, hey, Billy, would you pray for God's blessing? On, on our relationship, I said, no. What? I, I said, well, I can't. I, I would love to. You see, God's not going to bless that. I'll marry you. And then God will bless you. We do it his way. Can I tell you something? You should have thought about becoming a Christian. should have thought a little harder about that. Because you know what's going to cost you? Everything. True believers. You have to die to yourself every day when you wake up. Nothing in my life belongs to me. You want this shirt? Anybody want this shirt? You want it? Tell me afterwards. I'll give it to you. No, you know, whatever. I don't care. I've given clothes literally whatever. It doesn't matter. Nothing I have belongs to me. The relationships I have don't belong to me. I remember looking at my kid one day. Listen, he was a heathen. I'm not lying to you. I mean, his parents were drug addicts. The whole situation was really, really bad. 
And so then, then his grandmothers were raising him, and he was acting out about age 13, trying to push that attitude and started bullying his grandparents. One of his grandmothers called me one day, he threw a Gatorade ball at me. What am I going to do? I said, throw it back. She said, what? I said, hit him with it. <laughs> You're like, Billy, that's abuse. Well, what about her? You know, like, some of y'all afraid of your kids. Bust that hot in. <laughs> I believe in. Well, that's good. I'm glad your kid. And you know what? They're every kid dread. Every parent, every people have dread your kids coming around. It's just, I want you to know that. You need to know that. They're undisciplined wild maniacs. <laughs> There's heads nodding in here. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Tell them. Praise God. <laughs> it's crazy. Kids stand up in their parents' face and say, I want this. But he did that. And then he called her the bad word, the B word, like five times, you know. She told me. She said, what are we going to do? I said, bring him here. Came to my house. And I said, what did you do? And he told me. He was crying. I said, lay across the bed. I took my belt off and I spanked his hind in. Now, I didn't hit him hard but because I learned how to bru bruises. I'm kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I was raised to get whoopings. And I didn't want to use my hand because I want to love him with that hand. So I'm going to use an object. And it happened to be the belt. And it wasn't like, watch, watch. I didn't bring, you know, it was like, okay, lay cross. And I was crying. I hit him five times. I said that you get one for every time you say something like that, you're going to get one of these. You understand? I wasn't even, I hadn't even adopted him, nothing. He was just some heathen kid at my theater. He crawled up in my lap. He said, will you forgive me? I said, absolutely. We're not going to do this again, right? <laughs> and I was crying. He was crying. He said, I'll never disappoint you. I don't want to do that. He never said it again. The Lord disciplines those he loves if you're his children. Some of you are not getting any discipline right now. You don't get whooped by God. You don't feel guilty. You go out and smoke dope. Party, sleep around, you know. I'm good. Me and God are good. You know why you're not getting whipped? He doesn't know you. Why? Listen, I serve the same God you do. He wears me out. I get caught before I get caught. God will say, you should, you, you go fix that right now. I'm like, Lord, they deserved it. <laughs> He's like, Billy. And then God gets quiet on me. Oh, don't get quiet. Don't get quiet. What? What? I, what, what do you need me to do? Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. You know, and the Lord loves me enough that he disciplines me. And I don't believe, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. I don't believe in abuse and all those kind of things, obviously. But spanking a child and discipline somebody, you love them. And that's what he's talking about in this command. And you're going to suffer some of those consequences when you make bad choices. I'm about to wrap up. We're here for you, Lord. You're not here for us. We're here for him. He's not here for us. He's not your genie. You rub his belly and go, I want three wishes. But I tell you, there's things in my life God spoils me rotten. He doesn't just give me what I need. The Lord gives me. I, there, there's nothing that I've wanted that God has not given me. Nothing. I'm a blessed person. Sometimes the blessings don't come the way we think, does it? I want to share something with you. Can I have somebody just play the piano quietly behind me? Anybody able to do that? There's Franklin's the man. Since you screwed up on the sound. I'm just kidding. It wasn't you, Franklin. I've known Franklin a while, so I could do that. 
Oh, did you mute me just now? What was that about? Okay. <laughs> He's coming. And I want, I want you to listen to me, and, and I want to share this so you understand where I'm coming from. Can you say this? This is what I can say in my life right here. Lord Jesus, I am not here for the blessing. I'm just not here for the blessing. I'm here for your presence. You know what the greatest blessing you can receive is the presence of Jesus. And he'll be there in the roughest times with your Ednas and your Ronnies and your Jacks. He'll be there throughout that whole situation with you. He's a pretty awesome God. You don't know me. How many of you don't know me? Just raise your hand. I don't know you, and I really don't care much about you. Go ahead, raise your hand. <laughs> raise your hand if you don't know me. Seriously, you don't know who I am. So I'm going to tell you a little story, and I'll be done. And normally I share that, and I should have just done that today. But I, I just, I'm going to take a minute. It's going to take just a second. Out, foul spirit, the demons. I carry them with me, just so you know. You okay? Yeah, all right. All right. I'm not afraid. Okay. I, didn't, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. Let's say that up first so you understand. My dad was an abusive alcoholic. So I know the difference between abuse and discipline. Whatever my dad was angry with, that's what you got. I was the kid, and some of you kids heard some of this the other night. I stood, I was the kid that stood between, I was the oldest boy. I have three younger brothers, older sister. And I was the one who stood in between my mom and dad to protect my mom oftentimes because my dad would take and lash out on her. Of course, she had a mouth that ran on her the whole time. Neither one of them were believers. They met in church. My mom sang in a quartet, and my dad saw her, and, and they all met in church. And then, uh, then of course, they got uh, married, and then they didn't go anymore. But they knew right from wrong. They made us go to church when we were little kids. And there was a church ministry bus. Thank you all for starting this after-school program. Because if it weren't for those programs, I wouldn't be here. Because there's a church that picked up snotty-nosed kids on the other side of the tracks like me. And so they picked up me up on Sunday morning, and I'd come and learn about Jesus. And they talked about, I'll never forget the preacher was preaching on hell. Bless God, I want to tell you that hell is real. I mean, he's getting it done that morning. He's purple from here up. I thought, that guy's going to have a stroke. I was terrified. I ran forward. I said, I don't care what you do. Do something. Pray. Do something. Do something quick. And he, he, he said, okay. He said, um, he prayed for me. Then I got dunked. I thought, I'm good. I was seven years old. Then I was sitting in church about five years later, minding my own business, and God interrupted me. And the Lord said, you don't know me. I said, Lord, remember that prayer? I told you all the other night, if you have to convince God that you're okay during an altar call, you're not okay. Lord, we're good. Remember, I'm good, and I'm not, at least I'm not doing that. If you have to have any kind of conversation during an altar call with God, you need to get on your knees. Because God's speaking to you and he's loving on you. That's how much he cares for you. But you try to reason him away. Well, that day I was sitting there reasoning, God, remember that time I prayed this prayer? I got dunked. We're good. He goes, we're not good. Billy, I want to show you your sin. And that day I could see all the things that I did wrong. I knew right from wrong. I knew that, you know, I just knew my, my sin was heavy. Isn't it amazing that day when you give your life to Jesus, all of a sudden you see all your sin laid bare and you're really ashamed of it and you feel that, but at the same time you've never felt so loved. God said, I love you. I said, you really need to love me right now. Look at all this. And he kept saying, I said, Lord, I'm good. He said, you're not good. 
And, and so I found myself, I didn't even talk to the preacher. I came down to the altar and I called on Jesus and I said, I am a wretched sinner. Save me. And I changed. My life changed. Jesus was real. You'd think after you become a Christian, everything's great. Well, all hell on earth broke loose. If you just got hard, we, they didn't want us to go to church anymore. We had to make deals to get to go to church. I'll mow the yard. I'll work in the garden. I'll do everything. It was just let me go to church on Sunday. And so I finally got to get to go to church. And I remember we were on the riverbank one Sunday, and it was about a year later. I'd fought with God because I'd already been baptized, and I thought, but I, then I really got saved. And some of you, listen, I want to tell you this. If you, there have been a point in your life where you really committed your life to Christ. If you've not followed him in believer's baptism, you need to do that. That's the first act of obedience. Some of you have been saved for a while. You've never been baptized. You wonder why God's not blessing? You follow him in the first command. Follow him in believer's baptism. Be identified. Don't be ashamed of that. So I wrestled with that for a year and I said, God, I need to do that. Of course, I got permission from my dad on the riverbank. He cussed all the way to the church. We got there. He opened up the back door. Beer cans were falling in the parking lot. I'm trying to get back up in the car. Before the preacher came by, right? And my dad looked at me and said, find your own ride home. I walked in the church and looked out over people like you. And I said, God, I kept saying, Lord, nobody's here. None of my family's here, Lord. And you know what Jesus said? Here's your family. Your family. And that day I got baptized and followed. I mean, I was no, no, I was not ashamed of Jesus. And then there came the Ednas and the Ronnies that I had to kind of tackle in my life. And the biggest ones that I had in my life were my mom and my dad. My dad, who told me I was trash, no good, was never going to amount to anything. I literally told the kids one night, I knocked, or one day I knocked a beer can over. He grabbed me up and put me in, his, uh, in a scissor lock and started squeezing me. Started beating me. We were watching wrestling that morning. My brothers thought it was funny. My mom saw this goose egg on my own arm and they began to fight. But my dad told me that day, he stomped me in the floor. He said, you're trash and you're no good. You're no son of mine. Come to find out, of the three younger brothers, I was the only son that was my mom and dad's. My mom had all these other men and they were different daddies. And so one particular New Year's Eve, my dad got drunk and he was on pain medicine. He allowed my mom to go to this party at the VFW. He's supposed to go with her and he couldn't go because he had broken his foot on a motorcycle that day and was drinking and taking pain pills. I woke up in the middle of the night, me and my three younger brothers, my sister spent the night with my uh, uh, cousin. And so I fell asleep on the floor with my brothers, uh, watching the ball drop, Dave Clark. Y'all remember those days? Woke up, my dad said, your mom, when she comes, I'm going to kill her. She's been out with a guy. Somebody stopped by and told him she left with a man. I could hear my mom coming up the road in that big old uh, car. She had that Grand Prix with big cherry bomb mufflers on the back. Redneck mama. And I went out there and I said, Mom, you need to leave. You need to leave. She didn't know what was going on. He ran, she ran toward the house. My dad jumped off the porch started choking her. And that's the only time I ever been hit with my dad. And I was trying to beat him off my mom. I was a little kid. My dad was, you know, big old muscle guy. And so I remember... My mom going inside the house. She said, I'm not going to shut the door without you. We tried again. My dad pushed out of the way. He got in the house. Started chasing mom through the house. And we had a deadbolt lock on the back door. And I said, please, God, let her get that door open. She did. He grabbed her by the hair of the head, drug her as she was across the road through ice, threw her down, and started straddling in the neighbor's yard and started beating her with both fists. My brother Randy next to me ran to the neighbor's house, literally lifted the storm door off the house and threw it out in the yard and started beating the glass down in the real door. I went over to try to get my dad off my mom. He grabbed by the hair of the head, drug her across the gravel road, threw against the truck. My brothers, my two baby brothers, stand on the porch screaming, please, daddy, don't kill mommy. 
I grabbed all my brothers up in the car, put my brother Randy and cut his arms real bad. I wrapped mama's coat around him, put him in the back seat of the car. I went inside to get some clothes. My brothers were just in their underwear. I went inside. They were ready for bed. So I went inside to get some clothes that had taken. We learned to hide the guns, the bullets, and all those things from each other. And so I went in and uh, tried to get all those things taken care of and try to get some clothes and put them down in a trash bag, went outside and was trying to dress my brothers. We're waiting for the police to come. My dad came out to the door with a pistol in his hand, came up to the passenger side of the car, and he said, if you don't open this door, I'm going to blow your brains out. You've got 10 seconds. My dad started counting. It is amazing what your personal Savior and your Father in Heaven can tell you in 10 seconds. You know what he told me? You're mine. And no matter what happens, it's going to be and I looked at my dad, I was crying, and I said, pull the trigger. I know where I'm going, and I braced myself for that bullet. I'm here today because God had a bigger purpose and a bigger reason. It scared him, I guess. He went to the other side. He didn't know what to do. He was on crutches. My mom pushed him back on his bad leg. we got to go away that night, and I pray, God, let me forget these things because I do not want to hate him. But it was too late. Hebrews says, be careful lest a seed of bitterness spring up in you and defile many. In the midst of all those things in my life, God was still God. And God was still blessing me with what? His presence. My mom and dad divorced. My mom looked for love in all the wrong places. She brought boys that were home. My sister's friends that my sister dated. And my mom was there with two men one night and the two boys. They were in high school. I went to my room. I was like distraught. Because my mom was sleeping with these guys that were my age. I was embarrassed and I was ashamed. And I was trying to live for Jesus. And I remember saying, God, why did you stick me in this home? I think you messed up. And God was blessing Who held me every night? Jesus. Who made me not afraid? Jesus. Who took care of every one of my needs? Jesus. In the midst of all the hell on earth, I was blessed. Because God chose to spend time with me. I wanted to hear my dad say, I love you and I'm proud of you. No matter what I did, it wasn't ever good enough. Never said those words. Came home my senior year in college. Went away to Berea College in Kentucky. Came back home. was doing a concert at my home church. My dad showed up for the first time. That was a miracle. I prayed for his salvation. He didn't come. My friends were praying. I was like, Lord, God saved me. He didn't. And I was ticked at God. I said, I got him here. Can't you save him? What's your problem? Yeah, I've done that before. Get, finally get somebody to come to church. And they didn't. Oh, dang it. But I knew God was working. I went back to school that night. Dad said, come when you get back home. I called him. I thought, what are we going to talk about? We don't have anything in common. My dad was real weird and awkward trying to make up for stuff, I guess. I said, well, I made it back. He said, that's good. And I heard my dad's voice crack. My dad would never. And he said, hey, something I need to tell you before you hang up. 
said, what is it? He said, I love you. And I'm proud of you. And I said, Jesus, I, I don't know what, what you're doing. So I went back in my bedroom, in my dorm room, and I got on my knees and said, God, I don't know what's going on here. But my prayer began this. Lord, park the Holy Spirit on the doorpost of my dad's heart and make him so miserable he cannot live with himself. In Jesus' name, amen. God began to work on my dad's heart. My dad started coming to outdoor concerts in his car, and I'd see the window down, and he'd drive off. Never pressured him, never talked to him about that stuff. Just prayed that God would just woo him in. And every time I'd see my dad, I would tell him I loved him before I believed it. You see, because at age 16, this was my prayer to God. I went to God and I said, God, you know, and I'd go to the altar. My friends would be praying, Lord, save him. We, we just want you to save my mom and my dad. And God was kind of quiet. And I said, and you know why I wanted God to save him? Because I wanted my life to be easier. I didn't want him to go to heaven because it would not be heaven if they were there, you know. Just straighten up here and it would be good. But then I got the, and God didn't do much during that time. So I began to say this prayer. This was my prayer to the Lord. And I got real all raw and honest with the Lord. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. I started screaming to God. I hate him for everything they've ever done. I wish they'd die and burn in hell. But you loved them so much you went to the cross. Can you teach me to love like Jesus? So I was the one who had to go to my dad and apologize for not being the son that I should have been. Write my mom letters and asking her to forgive me for not showing her more of Jesus. Wound up at, I was working at Lee's McCray College in Bentley Oak, North Carolina. And the Lord directed me to go home. I sat down at my mom's feet one night. I said, Mom, if it takes my life for you to know Jesus, I'm ready to die. She said, don't you pray that prayer. I said, Mama, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I want you to know Jesus. Don't pray that prayer. Went back to school two weeks later. She called me. She went to church for the first time. That is a miracle. She said, hey, I went to church. I thought, oh, did the wise men follow you in? This is a miracle. I didn't say that. I was thinking it, you know. And, I, and, and, then, I, and, and then she said, hey, I started to leave the church. And she said, I couldn't. I ran back in and grabbed the preacher's hand. And she said, hey, Billy. Today, I gave my life to Jesus. You got a new mommy. I had $52 to my name. After putting gas in my car, we consider that poor maybe. Stopped by Moody Bible Bookstore, wanted a Bible with my mom's name put on it. How much is it going to cost? $51.50. My God shall supply all your needs according to your riches and glory. Walked up to that door of the house, forgot I had the Bible because my mom's countenance was different. She was a changed woman. We just held each other and cried. She married a wonderful Christian man about a year and a half later. Became a wonderful Christian daddy. Showed me the love of Jesus. It was an amazing thing. We began to pray for my mom, my stepmom and my dad. And my stepmom came to know Christ. My dad didn't have a chance. 27 years I prayed for him. After I was age 16, see. Kept praying and praying and praying. So he came to a concert, a Christmas concert, December the 7th. I'll never forget it. My dad walked, and he was in the church that night, kind of filming the video, and I was just glad he showed up. Gave an invitation. I shut my eyes, looked up at my big redneck dad who was standing in front of me. And I remember saying, oh, you have a little faith. I looked at my dad and said, what would you come for? 
He said, you've prayed long enough. I need Jesus. I knelt down with my dad and introduced him to my best friend, the Savior. My dad went down the center and stood up the same. Changed. My dad lived out an apology with me. Every day he grabbed me in his arms and kissed Tell me he loved me. Yeah, my stepmom sold everything they had to move out on that ratchet property that you helped me get ready. That you actually fixed the basement for them to live in. I didn't know that. And every night my dad would bring me a bowl of pinto beans and cornbread and a diet Dr. Pepper. He'd go on concerts and retreats. I'd share this story and they'd swing the spotlight around and say, this is no story. There's my daddy. My dad, mom, stepmother, all of them got to be friends. It was amazing. Held my stepdad's hands as he went on to be with Jesus. My dad was working on the property eight years ago. Say goodnight to him. It was our last year out there at the old property before we moved downtown in the new theater. And I said goodnight to my dad. He was working security. A couple hours later, my stepmom said, come down here. I was sitting in the car with my friend. She said, I had to call the ambulance. Your dad's not feeling well. So I turned to my friend, and the Lord said to me, I'm taking your daddy home. And I turned to him and said, my dad's going to go home and see Jesus tonight. And he goes, what? I said, I don't know why I know that. <laughs> I said, we got to hurry. So I went down there, and this man, who he was still alive. He was, had a heart attack. And he was still alive. And I was able to grab my dad's hands and say these words that I thought I'd never... You're the best daddy that anybody can ever have. I'm blessed. You see, that we think that our blessings are houses and cars and money and a job and a girlfriend. You're looking at the biggest blessed man that ever lived because I have the presence of Jesus I wouldn't trade that for anything in 2019 my mom it's really funny because I thought that the obituary my dad died my stepmom was so close to my mother she said she I want her in the obituary as his wife too. So, my mom got at Thanksgiving, not last year, but year before. My mom was always cooked at home, and she said, "Can we come to your house?" I'm like, "That's weird." Yeah, sure. So I'm just a little tired, and I said, "Yeah, we'll come over." So all the family came to my house for Thanksgiving, and the Lord again spoke to my heart. And I looked at my brother, my baby brother, and said, uh, Mom won't be here next year. He said, oh, I feel the same way. She wasn't even sick. She wanted to come again Christmas. We did. In January, she found out she had lung cancer. She came through all those treatments, had two left. Went to the doctor and to the emergency room to get some fluids that night. And then her... We went to get fluids that night 
and uh, she contracted C. diff in the emergency room. I shared with the kids the other night, remember me sharing this with you, that I walked in that hospital room, and my mom, the night before she, uh, 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 we had to make these heavy decisions, I spent the night with my mom that night. She was in major pain. She, my mom would say, I pray for you. As a matter of fact, she sent me on my 30th birthday card. I'll never forget this. She wrote these words. Thank you for being, I found this card just not long ago. She said, happy 30th birthday. I want you to know that I love you. She said, I thank you for being a loving son and for showing me Jesus. Because of that, I get to share eternity with you. Your loving mom. And she would say, when I was on the road, I'm praying for you. But I never heard my mom pray. That night, my mom sat up in the bed with her hands reached to heavens, and she said, God, I am in so much pain. Jesus, can you take this from me? Then she stopped, and she said, what am I saying? You suffered on the cross for me. If you can find glory in all of this, it's okay. She never complained one more time. So... The next day, the doctor said, you know, uh, you're going to make some decisions. I want to take her home or emergency room. What? What are you doing? He goes, uh, she's not doing well. Her organs are shut down. She's completely conscious. She's not, she's she, not going to feel this right now, but it, she's, it's just not good. She steps this in. It's just not good. Her kidneys are shut down. There's, there's one, it's going to get worse. So you can do comfort care. And he's saying this, and me and my mom were the only ones in there because my sister had stepped out. And I was kind of in shock. And he said, you can put her on life support or, you know, all this. I, I said, Mom, do you know what he's saying? I said, on the edge of the bed. I said, do you know what he's saying? She grabbed my hand and she said, yes, sweetheart. I get to see Jesus. I was like, wow. Made me feel stupid. So what she spent, she said, look, don't give me that medicine yet. Bring all my babies in here. She wanted to see her best friends. She wanted to see her sisters. And then she literally shed one tear. My brother walked up to her and said, Mom. She said, why are you crying? She's wiping his tears. She said, Mom, I, we're going to miss you. She said, oh, I miss you too. But hey, baby, I'm going home to be with Jesus. It's all good. I said all that to say this, and I'm done. I, I should have done this and not done the other parts. But just listen, the blessing. I was blessed to live in that home I lived in. I just didn't know it. Some of you are going through some hard times in your life, and you don't realize how blessed you are. That God would trust you in that situation to share Jesus with your mommy and your daddy. And I didn't want to be there. I didn't want that blessing. Not then. But I'm so glad God blessed me now. Because that's that thing it talks about. He will bless you in the heavens and after. Some of you are blessed, you don't even know it. Cancer can bring you close to Jesus. Being broke can bring you close to Jesus. 
divorce can bring you close to Jesus. We need his presence. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Are you ready to gain the eternal things in your life is the question. Whatever you lose on this earth, whether it be your life or the possessions that you have, it may be that God's trying to bless you. Because as long as we hold on to the things that we think are important, there's no room for God to give you what He wants. Most of all, your heart, your pride. Can God have your career? Can He have your girlfriend? Can He have your wife? One of the things I had to look at my son and say, I looked right at him and I said, you, well, Lord, we, uh, because I kind of, kind of pampered, you know, trying to fix things and give him things he didn't have in his life. And one day the Lord said, stop. And I looked at him and I said, God, i tell you something. You will never be first in my life again. You're always going to be second. I need you to forgive me because I didn't show you that. I've tried to make you be okay. I can't fix you. And I'm not going to even try. But I'm going to serve Jesus. And he's first. You're not. And you never will be. He was sobbing and I was sobbing. And that was the turnaround in my son and my relationship. You don't have to satisfy your kids. But you better be everything God's asked you to be. And show them that you walk with God. Today, some of you need to give your lives to Jesus. What you lose on this earth is heaven's gain, whether it's your heart, your soul. I'm going to sing a song I wrote. And normally, I don't do this as an invitation. I just sing the song. I share my testimony. We're done. And I didn't mean to do all this. Man, we're here forever. Y'all tired of me, aren't you? I should have just done that part of it. I don't know. I just kind of want to I know everything about everything in my life. And I'm sorry. I won't do that if I get back next time. So I figured I'd say it all this time so I might not be back. You might not have me back. You just keep playing till I find this. Lord, help me find it. Don't let me make a mistake. But uh, I want you to just uh, bow your heads. And I want you to think about where you are in your walk of faith with Jesus. Is he first? Is he second? Where is he in your life? You know, and some of you put other things before him. Some of you, there was a time where you were closer to God than you are now. God wants all of it. He wants it right now. Would you let him have it? This song is called Heaven's Gain, and I wrote this a couple years before my mom and dad passed away. But God spoke prophecy, really, in my heart over this. It's playing, and hopefully it's there. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you'll speak louder than words to hearts that need you. Lord, are we willing to give whatever we think is important, our careers, our lives? Some people need to be up on their face here, given their children back to you, giving their marriages to you. Some of them, Lord, need to rededicate their lives. Some have never been saved. They're trying to live out commandments, but they've never really walked with you. The greatest thing that we could ever experience is your presence. And I pray, Father God, that you'll do that even today for those of us who, who need you and long for you.